Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by several awesome co-hosts, plus a guest this week. First, my brother and bro host, Shane Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? Doing great. I had a really good day. I, I got to visit a revolving sushi bar today. Ooh. Made my day. Ooh. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> and <laughs> Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? Uh, I am fantastic. I'm so happy to finally get a chance to talk about this game. <laughs> I know you are, Nate. It, it came out like a month ago. Why did it take us so long to do an episode? It's off-brand for me to not be already ranting about this game. I've been doing it on Twitter. I'm finally here to talk about this game on the podcast. You I'm can excited. blame me, Nate. I, I, am a, <laughs> I am a strategy dunce. And we have a special <laughs> guest this week. Uh, I am uh, super happy to have on the show uh, Sandy Bledsoe. Hello. I'm so happy to have Sandy on the show uh, today. I met Sandy uh, down the block from my house. You guys know that I have been uh, raving about how much I love Coral Sword, the new board game um, cafe. Would that be the right way to describe it? Yeah, yeah. That's this. There's a um, cafe is the best word we've found, but the, it's it doesn't quite encompass all of the nuance to the whole thing, but. But cafe seems like the most successful word. It's incredible. Well, uh, Sandy, tavern is one we've kicked around too. Tavern, tavern. Is <laughs> I love that. I, I as an RPG lover, I think tavern uh, is a place. A tavern is a place I could feel at home. Yeah. So um, yeah, Sandy uh, is the managing partner there at Coral Sword, and uh, one of Sandy, I don't want to give David credit where it, you know to do, but but one of the managing partners. But. One of the managing ah, partners. Hail and well I, met. I, I when I first went in there, I just assumed you were the the coolest, friendliest barista that I'd ever met, and then I realized, wait, his name is on the liquor license application on the front door, yeah, so he must have some importance fun. here. But uh, yeah, Sandy uh, has. Uh, it's been really nice getting to know you. He's been helping me uh, run my uh, Dungeons and Dragons game uh, mm-hmm. down there from Coral Sword. Mm-hmm. And Sandy streams video games on the uh, Twitch TV channel for Coral Sword, which is where I realized that uh, we had this fun, awesome Into the Breach game in common. We were both currently obsessed with it. Uh, probably, uh, I am. I would say on this on this cha- I would say on this show, I'm the worst at the game, though. So that's probably my shame. But I don't know uh, about that. I think we're competing for last <laughs> place, and uh, and Nate and Sandy are going to be duking it out at the top but uh, we'll see well, sandy i some of the people listening to this show will have heard yeah. me rant uh, uh, about how much i love coral sword but would you mind for those who might have missed that tell, yeah. tell us a little bit about the shop and about yourself yeah. um yeah so coral sword is uh the sort of tagline we've come up with is your uh friendly neighborhood games cafe and um Gaming cafe uh, has a sort of gambling connotation here in in Texas. I feel like. Do you guys have slots? Yeah, if you're looking for a for a, a gaming spot, the the gas station by my house has some fruit machines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Is that the the Sitco or whatever that's right there? Yeah, uh, yeah you know it. <laughs> but, um, when I I drove through, I think it was South Dakota, and like everything labeled themselves as having a casino having a casino come to our casino like our gas station has a casino no. and what i learned is what they mean by casino is just like a dark corner with like eight slot machines in it and that's their <laughs> version of a casino so Sandy, does coral sword have a dark corner with eight <laughs> slot machines in it no no not yet but uh we talked about pinball machines and maybe arcade games but we ha- we kind of wanted to see how busy we were going to be what the volume was going to be like and if, if it would make sense 
because the revenue per square foot on a on a pinball machine is pretty dismal and um but it's a lot of fun some great business advice for our listeners and so yeah there's a lot of different ways to think about to think about how to make money in business and and revenue per square foot is one of them um but if you have things that that you know pinball machines just if they make three dollars a day and they take up a huge amount of space then you have to examine why you ever thought about doing that what is the um, revenue per per square foot of Shane's D and D group? It's <laughs> actually pretty good. They, they they spend money. They're, they they do it. Yeah, they're they're nice people. Um, and uh, uh, they pull their weight. But all right, um, I'll stop interrupting you with stupid quips. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so Coral Sword uh, originally started out as just kind of like a coffee shop with comics and board games. Um, we pivoted. Uh, we leaned into games really hard. And, um, and now it's, it's, it's like, it's much more about, um, about board games, coffee. We're, we're waiting for our beer and wine permit. Um, I'm waiting too. We're sort of leaning also into the e-game, uh, sort of community. Uh, there's actually an event at the shop tonight. Uh, it's our first, uh, street fighter tournament. Um, Street Fighter Five tournament. Um, Shane just made this look. Had this look on his face, like, "Why am I podcasting right now?" Instead of being <laughs> yeah, at this event? yeah I, we were actually uh, tuned into that, or at least I was on Twitch uh, just before oh, cool. you signed on. Um, I'm not actually a huge Street Fighter guy, but I wanted to check it out. And you guys have like an extremely professional looking, really nice streaming setup. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so this is a great time to mention that um, my business partner David and I uh, linked up with. Um, uh, our mutual friend uh, Ming Chen, who's uh, uh, on the TV show called Comic Book Men on AMC, hmm. um, and he's one of our business partners. And uh, but also we have the uh, the great fortune to be in business with Hunter Pence and his wife Lexi, um, and they basically kind of uh, approached us with this plan for this this streaming booth and said we think it'd be really cool to add this this streaming space uh, that we can run competitions and tournaments and uh um and i don't i literally didn't know anything about this stuff like you guys just had to teach me how to use skype and (laughs) like um i watched a couple youtube videos that allowed me to use wineskin to get into the breach on my on my mac but uh, i am a pretty much a, a luddite when it comes to computers uh i didn't know what twitch was at the time and um and it'll probably take me 30 minutes to, to, to find this podcast alone on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. You're not alone. <laughs> it takes anybody. Yeah, unfortunately. That is both a, that is a, a judgment of your skills on iTunes, but also maybe just maybe the ranking of our podcast alongside. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should have given it a more distinctive name that doesn't collide on Google with a documentary about 12 year old <laughs> golfers. <sighs> oh, what? No. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the bane of that's our existence. That's a real thing? Yeah. The short game. No. It's a, it's a documentary. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, yeah, they, they've get, SEO'd us to hell. Like once every like six months too, we'll get like an email or or something from someone who's like, "Are you gonna make a sequel?" Or like, "I love the, the movie or, or or whatever." Um, That's but hey, what are the have, kids doing now? <laughs> yeah, we That's have amazing. finally. If you just Google the short game, uh, and I pray that you do, we have finally reached like we're, we're on the front on page. There. We're on the front page. It's like Excellent. 10 IMDb things. And then we did it, America. Uh, We're on the front page of Google. If you Google the name of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we made it. 
Everything is, if there's anything I've learned in business, it's that it, it's, it's all about compounded annual growth, right? Yes. And that's, We're number 10. <laughs> <laughs> but 10 is someday is nine, and nine yeah, is someday yeah. eight. And, yeah, man. But as long as you they know, don't put out a sequel, if they put out a sequel, you're screwed. I know. <laughs> short I was wondering you. actually who named uh, Coral Sword. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, that was David. Uh, and I, I have to give Final David Fantasy a, fan? a, real, a real driving force, yeah, uh, behind this business. And David, um, um, you know, he, he was the one who really took it from being like a late night conversation in his kitchen to being a, a really like fully fleshed business. Um, uh, he is a, a big Final Fantasy fan. I, so I've only played 7, 10, 11, and 10, 2. And that's kind of like where I feel like that's a reasonable out. amount of Final Fantasy. Yeah. No, that's probably <laughs> but, more than I. So the, the whole yeah. concept of this show is games that you can finish in a reasonable <laughs> amount of time, which means that literally <laughs> no Final Fantasy, game Final Fantasy game will ever be covered will. here. I played the first one on iPhone. That's my extent of Final Fantasy. Yeah, they're, they're pretty long uh, uh, narratives. But uh, really, a lot of them are very beautiful games. And um, some of them, especially the early ones, are more tactical RPGs like this. But then some of the later ones are a little bit more open world. Um, Seven is really a masterpiece. I also, I, Ten is my favorite, and people make fun of me for that. But That's the only one I've sunk significant hours into, and I'm going to make fun of you for that. <laughs> yeah wait that's that's like i think the only one i've played a lot of too that's the one with that like the ps water PS2 water one. ball or yeah whatever, with like right? with like underwater yeah basketball okay, they had its own sport yeah, yeah. they had its yes. own sport um blurns ball or whatever yeah blurns ball that was it Ten two was also i i i played through all of Ten two, and they probably didn't need to make that game but it was um i think it was an attempt to um capture some of like the sort of female gamer demographic and I, my understanding is it was pretty widely panned, but I, I ate it up. I loved it. So, um, but yeah, but David's, David's the, the big, he's the old school final fantasy fan. Um, and the, the name was, that was, that was definitely his idea. Right it's on. a good name. Yeah. It also sounds a little bit, I like, you know, combining that with tavern, it sounds a little bit like the kind of name yeah, you'd right? find on a fantasy tavern. I really like it. So uh, that's an amazing sounding place. And I really wish that it was in my neighborhood here in Denver. Come to Houston, Reagan. Yeah. I, kind of soon yeah. hopefully but um and coral sword will be on my list absolutely but uh we're here to talk today about yes. into the breach and yes. into the breach the game this that game brings rules. us all together today uh so i'll just do the very most brief of intros and then i'll let nate explain it because nate is probably the driving force behind us covering this game you know <laughs> i mean <laughs> long-time listeners will remember our episode about ftl this is a game from the developers of ftl subset games and ftl was a game that the first game that really made us kind of re-examine and bend our rules about what we count as a short game on this program because mm -hmm. my original rule about this game about this show was games under 10 hours and that that doesn't quite encompass <laughs> a game like FTL, which uh, even I played for dozens of hours and Nate played for hundreds of hours. I'm, I'm in the hundreds. Yeah. 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 Um, but we decided sort of at that point that we wanted to sort of flex our definition of a short game to games that have short play sessions as well when mm -hmm. we felt yeah. that that sort of mattered when it was a game that we 
uh, sort of the, the tagline for this show is games that fit when it was made life. by subset games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Right. So games well, that respect your time is the kind of yeah. driving force here. And FTL that, yeah. was very much a game that respected your time. It has short, meaningful play sessions, uh, that built on each other, but still felt like very self-contained and that you could, uh, pick up and complete, uh, in a, in a relatively reasonable amount of time and fit into a reasonable schedule. Um, so it, FTL was an amazing game, a game that I loved. We'll have a link in the show notes of this episode to our episode on FTL, which was, how long ago was it? Like three that years ago? That was episode maybe? number five. Was it episode that, five? Yeah. So oh my God, it's was, been wow. so yeah. long. Though if we, I, I don't know where we have Laura's tracking doc, but I have to imagine that I've mentioned FTL or you guys have forced me to mention Every FTL. two to three episodes for Every, years. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, it, I mean, in this game falls in that same category. We've had a couple other roguelikes where um, as long as the the experience that you're going through is unique and worthwhile, um, then the <laughs> overall amount of time you put into it can still qualify. So we're, you know, like, whereas like, I don't know, like Skyrim, it's going to be 100 hours, but like 75 of those hours are like walking around and traveling or like yeah. repeating, like repeating the same store of quest over and over to get to a new, to get to something this is a game that you're choosing to like have an experience with, whether it's win loss or, or whatever yeah. you're sitting down to start. And you're probably in that play session. You're probably also finishing that experience. Now, uh, some of these and, games and like FTL. Now, now and, we're done justifying why this game is on the show. <laughs> we totally. don't need to anymore. I mean, of course, if you have something else to say about it, please do Nate. But I, I, I felt like we needed to set that up a little bit, but also, Screw you, this is our show. We're going to talk about this game because it's awesome. <laughs> There's no podcast police going to come and bust us for violating our premise. Pod crimes. <laughs> just imagine the door getting kicked in on Shane and some dudes ah! just running in. You have a loose premise to your show and you're not sticking to it. But you kind of are. Why are they going after all of the other shows first? <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful yeah, game. Yeah, um, it is. So this is... This is a very highly anticipated game. FTL was a huge hit. Uh, the, the developers spent a long time on it, and then they released a, a, a um, expansion to it, a free expansion called Expanded Edition, or I'm sorry, Advanced Edition, that just made the game even more dense, even more brilliant. Um, and they spent a long time after that not really sure what to do because they really didn't want to make, you know, FTL 2. They wanted to make a whole new game, a whole new experience. Um, and I mean, advanced edition came out in 2012, I believe, uh, maybe 2013. No. So it's been, uh, no. several years. I know. How when old did are FTL we all? Come out? Uh, Googling it now. This is stuff that we should know if we're, Oops. um, <laughs> Reagan will pull that up. It came out. Oh boy. It came out on, uh, Microsoft windows, OS 10 and Linux, uh, Wikipedia lists it September 14th, 2012. Yeah, okay. The iOS version came out in April of 2014. So that was a couple of years after the yeah. uh, initial uh, version. I, I actually, I mean, I definitely played it on my computer, but I put much more time into this on my iPad than I did on my mm. computer. Yeah. I have um, nothing to show for those years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> just is, all spent on FTL. <laughs> there is one thing I, I do want to set up, though. Um, on the show, whenever we have like a sequel or a... a um, highly anticipated like next game from a developer we do have a tendency to uh spend a lot of time comparing the two and i think that'll be really easy to do with this game but I'd, i actually think 
the developer spent a lot of time to try to make it something that was totally unique yeah. uh, and not just the same experience from FTL. And I and I really think they accomplished that. So I'm going to try very hard, even though FTL is like my favorite game of all time, to not compare this game to FTL. I think there's okay. a lot of stuff that it does that is uh, they learned from FTL and that we might be able to like have that in its own section. But I think this game stands on its own um, and is very very different in what you're doing how you do it and kind of like why you're doing it than ftl um and, and i think that's a testament to the developers not just like rehashing their same idea and I'll, and yeah. so i think we need to make sure that we stick with what the game is and not how it compares to ftl totally okay yeah totally. and it's 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 not just very different i think in some ways now this will probably vary from person to person here, but in some ways I like this game better than FTL. I think that it's, and I, I haven't sunk nearly as much time into it as I have into FTL. And so maybe that'll change with time. But uh, this game um, was a huge surprise. I am a, I'm not a huge sort of tactical uh, strategy game person. I don't really mm -hmm. like the XCOM games, for example. I've played some, but not a ton. Get out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, not a huge I fan. I love XCOM and I, I love, uh, well, speaking of Final Fantasy uh, earlier, Final Fantasy Tactics yeah. is a, uh, yeah. I had that for the uh, Game Boy Advance mm. in uh, high school. It's a good touchstone I, I for this game. Very, very paid more attention elements. to that than I did to the classes that I was in <laughs> while playing it. I would actually compare this, or my, my touchstone for this game was more Advance Wars. We, we covered a game mm -hmm. a couple, maybe a year or more ago on this program called um, Warbits. That's sort of a modern... Yeah. You know, smartphone-based uh, kind of rehash of the uh, the um, Advance Wars kind of concepts, the sort of slim, yeah, slimmed down tactics game. Uh, and this actually, it's like more complicated, or you know, more tactically interesting than Advance Wars in a bunch of ways, but also pairs back from games like Advance Wars in some really, really interesting ways. Um, I think it's a really fascinating kind of development on this style of tactics game. So we'll probably talk a little later once we have talked a little more about like how this game actually works or what it's about. We'll probably talk a little more about comparing it to other games. But um, for me, as a big Advance Wars fan, this did a lot for me in that same way while still really surprising me with some interesting like twists on it that were very not Advance Wars based. Mm -hmm. um, the things that like the thing that I hated most about Advance Wars is being 30 minutes into a battle and realizing that I screwed something up 25 minutes ago yeah. that has meant that the entire time I've spent has been a waste of time. That has never happened in this game. It is so tight. It is so like like puzzle box like tight that it's... Yeah, when you've lost, you kind of know you, oh, Yeah. For for a lot for a lot of reasons and we'll go into into a more, but you are keenly aware when you're about to lose or yeah. have made a, a big mistake in this game because it telegraphs just about everything so um sandy or maybe nate i don't know who wants to kind of jump in with this but could somebody kind of just give a high level overview of this game for folks who haven't actually played it yet like yeah what what is the how, how does it work uh, the premise is that um they don't give a lot of context but um you are a time traveler who has uh, traveled through time to save Earth uh, from this invasion of this species called the Vec. And um, basically each, each playthrough is, is maybe 20 minutes or something, right? And, and 
Um, but each of these playthroughs kind of represents a, um, a unique timeline. It's, it's sort of all these different worlds that have been invaded and you're basically traveling through time and, and um, through these different timelines, they call them. Uh, each playthrough is a different timeline. Uh, so you can play the game multiple, 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 multiple times. And the game actually itself is very short, but there's a lot of replayability. If you saw the, uh, the absolute classic... Uh, Tom Cruise science fiction epic. Um, oh, gee, suddenly the name is escaping me. Shane, what is that movie that we saw together? Edge of Tomorrow. Edge, Edge of, of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Thank you. Or maybe Live, Die, Repeat if you only read saw the big box cover on yeah, it. Yeah, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which is actually a really great movie. I really, really love that movie. Uh, it, it it has that same kind of structure, which like when I realized that that's what this game was doing, I was like, oh, cool. This is great. This, I mean... It, in a way, that that movie kind of mirrored a game, right? You're you're resetting this uh, this timeline, or Tom Cruise, in the case of the movie, is resetting this timeline again and again to try to perfect uh, this fight against a really threatening alien invasion. Uh, and this game does it pretty much exactly the same yeah. thing, only with gigantic mechs, which is awesome. Disagree. Yeah. I Disagree. didn't mention the It's mechs, not yeah. exactly the same thing. <laughs> oh, true, it's, true. It's uh, <laughs> going to be super pedantic here with you, Reagan. It Please. Is, that, that movie's fantastic, too. Also, it get, this game gets compared to Pacific Rim a lot because of the giant monsters and mm. giant mechs. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Edge of Tomorrow, he's it's the same. It's literally the same thing over and over. And he's, like, perfecting, like, the perfect run to 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 win that exact same thing. Like Yeah, it's like a speed time. run. Yeah, he's, like, speed running that war. This, it because... Each run is also a new randomly generated set of things. You're not you're not doing the same thing over and over. You're you have the same goal, which is to um, defeat the Vec and make it to the final stage. But every time they've basically mixed up the factors that you have to deal with. So you are you're learning the skills of the game um, and the way the mechs work and the way the things work but you have to apply them differently on every single time. Yeah, but it's also not entirely randomized, right? Like the, there are scenarios that play out in more or less the same way uh, again and again, but with variations in terms of like enemy spawns. So before before we get too deep into like comparing this to <laughs> movies and stuff, can 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 Sandy finish explaining the premise of the game? Please. The, the TLDR version is it's kaiju chess. That's the best way I've heard it described. That's is, great. Um, it's a it's a roguelike tactical RPG. Uh, you're playing on a small what is it like a twelve by twelve grid? It's maybe larger than that, but um, really small, really eight, tight. Eight by eight, um, eight by eight grid. Um, yeah, eight by eight. Uh, yeah, you're just kind of um, you have a handful of, of mechs that you control uh, against a, a handful of uh, not even a handful. It's three mechs, right? Three, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. sounds like a handful. I mean, I don't know how many mechs you can fit in your hand. But, <laughs> oh, but, I guess you're right. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's it's it has like a sort of like a maybe like a Gundam or sort of Robotech element to it um, with these mechs. But it, it also has this sort of kaiju Godzilla thing where you're trying to save this this these various cities, these various corporate islands. There's a sort of weird dystopian element to it because. All these islands are, are owned by corporations, and the people that run them are called CEOs. Um, the thing I think is so beautiful about this game is they just don't give you context. They just kind of drop all these little things, and maybe you notice it, maybe you don't. It doesn't impact the gameplay at all. But um, but they call them, like, you know, the, the Acid Island guy is, like, CEO 
sing or whatever. Uh, and I think they, they do a really masterful job with that, masterful job with that, like the weird dystopian future it's sci-fi like subtle things. world building. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, More so even than FTL, which I believe we said we're not going to compare this game to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play a sound effect every time someone compares this game to FTL. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you touched on um, that you're you're defending a, a city that's sort of like monster movie thing, and then the developers themselves said that one of the inspirations for this game uh, was that like in monster movies and especially in in modern superhero movies, uh, like cities just get wrecked while yeah. they're dealing with these uh, monsters, and so the actual main goal of this game is to defend the city. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, um, they measure it through grid power and it's a, it's a turn-based game. And so, uh, the monsters, uh, the Vec are trying to either attack your mechs or most more often they're trying to attack the cities of the, uh, the Island that you're protecting. Uh, they all take up grid spaces and every time they successfully hit one of the cities, two things happen one you lose grid power from uh one or two grid power and also you see the amount uh by in numbers of human casualties uh that happen when that when like they successfully attack and the only yeah it and the only way to lose the game is to run out of grid power um, and and so the the actual focus of the game is not to kill all the Vec. It's not to um, like get the most kills with your mechs. It's and your mech can actually die and come back in a lot of different ways. The main goal is to not let the city take damage. Uh, yeah. Sandy, um, yeah. one of the most interesting things to me about this game is the way that all the enemy attacks are a hundred percent completely telegraphed you know what the enemy is going to do so how does the strategy in this game actually work how do you play this game strategically uh very carefully um how do you play it strategically i i feel like there is at any given moment a best move there's like a best plan and you just kind of have to find it um you have three mechs they all have a move and an attack you have to perform the move and then the attack. You can't attack and then move. Um, so you basically have to uh, position your mech. And you can undo those moves. Uh, the game is so forgiving yeah. in that way. Yeah, it, it can be forgiving. So the moves you can undo, the attacks you cannot. You have one per battle. Um, and there are maybe eight battles per island. And two to five sort of islands in the game with four islands and then there's the big boss volcano battle but um yeah i've forgotten um, about that i don't i don't want that to that to breeze by sure, sure, sure. Uh, not only can you undo the movement of your mechs you can hit a reset button yeah. on your turn once per yeah game. which is yeah. great because i i'm sure everybody here has uh nuked their team on accident at one point and, <laughs> um yep <laughs> and so that is your um or at every turn, at every opportunity, <laughs> it is it is surprisingly forgiving. That that was one thing that stood out to me too. Is between the undo move and the ultimate, the one reset turn, there's a lot of experimentation you can do. You can move someone, see how their shot's going to go. It actually tells you uh, when you when you like prepare whatever your attack is. 
it will actually tell you the damage it'll do if it's mm-hmm. gonna move the vec uh movement's yeah. a big thing in this game it'll tell you where they're gonna go if they're gonna hit something what damage that happens so you actually have a lot of time to prepare you can move a guy over see what that attack's gonna do decide no never mind i'm not gonna do that hit undo move and go and try it a different way and then the reset turn at least i generally use for exactly what you're saying sandy they're like oh shit yeah i like that did i i was not paying enough attention or or something and i just like yeah. blasted a vec <laughs> into one of my own guys who hit a hit one of the buildings and i lost like 200 people and a grid power all because i was like this is gonna be great and i just went like way too fast <laughs> wham bam yeah. oh oh no and, and, and I, I love that it was it was uh, that it's in the fiction of the game as well. You have this sort of time reset. All of yeah. the all of these aspects of the game mm-hmm. are justified by the fact that you have time travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they'll do something really silly too because there's all the the pilots of the mechs are like little characters, um, and they'll be like, "Oh, did you feel that or whatever?" When you go back in time, so it is yeah. like you said, like actually in fiction, it's not just like a game mechanic. It is. They they were so clever in the way they did that. And there was there was there was a moment where a, a pilot, because the idea is like you know after the game, without spoiling too much, you you just kind of get deployed to another timeline. You know, best case scenario, your soldiers just go to another timeline and continue fighting. But um, but each each mech has a has a pilot. There are three mechs in the game, and each mech has a pilot. And each mech is unique, and each pilot is unique. They all have different abilities. They all work together in uh, different ways. Um, but there are moments where the sort of like that sort of fourth wall comes down and the game acknowledges that, um, and I forget what it was, but it was a pod contained a pilot that I already had or something or a, a, a pod contained a pilot that I was already using at that time. And it was the huh. same person. And there are moments in the game where you're like, what? Oh, the time travel stuff becomes so weird to think about. And, and I just love that. There's a whole world there that they just kind of, they just kind of open a can of it. And and the aroma fills the room, and then you're just kind of like, well, that's really that's really clever and unique. I don't know why I used that analogy just now, but but yeah, but they, you well, just get you just get a taste of it, and that's it. Sounds it. like it's a, a, sounds like a coffee guy kind of describing. Sure, it. yeah, yeah. What's the mouthfeel of the? Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. Um, yeah. Well, Sandy, it, you're bringing up the idea of these kind of mechs and pilots, and. Mm-hmm. One that's I think one of the neat things about the game is how the different mechs and pilots are related yeah. to your progression. Yeah. In the game. Yeah. So you can um, level up. Like any you know roguelike inspired game. This is this is very loosely defined as a roguelike, but it has that sort of re- re- repetitive element. Mm-hmm. But it has because of that it has this very unique uh progression mechanic where you're improving like the pilots and the mechs. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of the things that I really love about this game is that it doesn't have the grinding element of a lot of other games. You can only keep one of your pilots. You basically, you, you choose one pilot who sort of you want to continue with. You have one sort of all-star pilot you can continue with and uh, take them on your next timeline, your next run through. Um... You you can level them up. I think it's only three levels. There's like one, two, mm-hmm. and three. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot, but each time you level up, you you unlock a new ability. Maybe it's plus two HP for your mech, or um, plus one move, or you get an extra reactor core, which the reactor cores would allow you to kind of equip weapons and abilities and stuff. And you get different weapons for your mechs throughout the course of a of a 
of a game. I'll be the guy now. That's the, the one part of this game that reminded me most of FTL. <laughs> the uh, the way that it handles power and equipping uh, weapon yeah. systems and things. <laughs> Nate's shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> I've Shame been holding back this whole time Shame because of what me. I said at the beginning. There's a million things we can compare to FTL because it's made by the same people. But it's <laughs> Guys, did you notice the loading screen looks a lot like the one from <laughs> FTL? <laughs> I think we need to have a section before spoiler break but after the discussion of the mechanics <laughs> yeah. Yeah. of how and when we compare this game to FDO. Because there is a lot. Up, to, huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the, the leveling up is very simple. It's all just sort of automatic. It just tells you that it happened. You get XP for killing Vec. Um, there's, you don't have to assign any kind of... Um, any kind of XP or you, you don't have to you don't really have to think about it that much yeah it's it saves most of the strategy for like the actual minute to minute gameplay that's something that like I, I saw some reviews specifically calling out about it and since I'm not a huge like I mean I've, I've watched some Gundam but I'm not like a mech mm -hmm. fan so to speak yeah and sure. uh, so like something that they were calling about out about that was like all of the other big mech game series spend a lot of your time kind of dis making decisions about what parts am I going to equip on my mech? Uh, what, you know, how am I going to repair my mech in between battles? Like you're like a, a huge part of it is like gearhead, like um, just mech shop talk basically. Whereas yeah. this game keeps that incredibly minimal, incredibly streamlined. Your, your your strategy isn't so much about that. Your strategy is the minute to minute, like what is my next move on the on the battlefield kind of strategy. And the the upgrade system for your pilots, the upgrade system for your mechs is just like so streamlined as to be like just a, a really uh it's not a distraction. Um but it mm -hmm. still does make you feel like you're having progression between between individual fights and between runs. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I think there is a um, the only time that it really comes into play is when you get like one reactor core and you're trying to decide who oh. to like apply it to. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, they're pretty frequent. Um, so you know that whatever decision you make with that reactor core, like you're probably going to get another one relatively soon, or you're going to get several of them at the end of the island, so you don't have to think too much about it. And uh, and it is interesting. Like I was thinking about that too with the mech stuff. Like most mech things are. It's, it's a mech game and you're going to be playing mechs and you're going to be talking about mechs and, mm -hmm. and and like this game it's more like a means to an end it, they could be like giant cats too like it's not <laughs> yeah. it, you know that would be a good thing so right they could be giant cats but, why aren't, but you know why what I mean they? like it, it's not it's not about the mechs it's not about specifically being mechs when you mentioned earlier that this is you know kaiju chess like mm -hmm. I think it's emphasis is on the chess right like this is this game is streamlined to the point of feeling like this like classical board game like experience like it's it's a truly like refined polished thing and the the sort of mech side of it is like obviously window dressing it's great window dressing but it's mm -hmm. obviously window dressing on what really comes down to just being a really solid really streamlined simple strategy game that just it's taken away everything that frustrates me. Well, not everything. I'm still quite frustrated by lots of moments in this game. But uh, it's taken away many of the things that have frustrated me for years about the strategy tactics genre. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Um, one big thing that we haven't talked about yet, or at least touch on exactly, is that each match is five turns. Yeah. 
So yes, it, yes. it really is it's so short, so it good. Is, they're very short, and you have the short in, game. Like in a, <laughs> a, a lot of these advanced, like advanced wars, a lot of these tactic style games, it's kind of just go until one side wins. Um, and this game is so much about survival that it, it adds. It's like a gameplay mechanic that also fits the theme. You're just trying to survive this Vec onslaught and, and yeah. defend the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, from a strategy point of view, it gives you this sort of like a combination of, of tenseness uh, as well as like impending relief that you know it's only going to be like I mm-hmm. just have to survive five rounds. Yeah. I just, if I can just kill these guys or push these guys around or or whatever like if i'm at round two or three it's like i just have to get to through these next two turns and i win i there's no goal other than well there, there's little objectives which we haven't talked about but the, the big picture there's no other like you don't win the round by anything other than surviving five turns if you survive the five turns you have won the round yeah and it's something about that like th- this aspect of it this sort of very short um uh, what do you call each of each of these sessions, matches, um, zones? I don't know what you'd call each of these. Battles? Games. I don't know. Battles, battles yeah. is a better word. Thank you. Yeah. But each of these battles being so short made this game so much more approachable for me. So, I mean, I mentioned earlier I'm a huge fan of the Advance Wars series, but the thing that I hate about Advance Wars, well, some matches or battles in Advance Wars, is that sometimes they'll take 30, 45 minutes. And you might have screwed up in minute five and then you're at minute 35 and you're discovering only then the things that you did that have boned you in a way that you could never have foreseen or at least felt like you could never have foreseen um and that sort of that's that's dismal that's a terrible experience these matches being so short means that you're always reacting you know, you're you don't have to come up with some kind of grand strategic, you know, uh, military victory plan. You just have to, you don't have to conquer Europe. You just Pincer have to maneuver. save these five buildings or something like that. And it's it's mostly reacting to things that are coming at you. Um, there's a really really good article at uh, Waypoint. Um, Waypoint, by the way, uh, has been killing it this year. So anyway, uh, Waypoint had a really, really good article. They've got a person uh, over there who's, uh, I think, Danielle Riendo. Um, and she's a former ENT. Uh, and she wrote an article about how she was very frustrated with this game until she realized she had to start treating it. She had to start playing this game like an EMT. She had to start treating it like triage. And I was like, mm-hmm. that, and that's yeah. something clicked for her with that. And I was like, that is a really, that's a good insight about this game. This is a game where you are you are trying to manage a situation, uh, sort of triage-like, just to prevent damage. You're not trying to build a great army. You're just trying to manage the situation to avoid worst-case scenarios for five turns. Mm-hmm. And that sounds really simple, but the way that it gets complicated is really great. So the thing that really stood out to me that's really different about this game among among many but the big thing as far as like the strategy of the game goes um and something that really clicked with me really well is that the the player turn is slightly different in order than the like computer turn the enemy's turn um during your turn or the the end of the enemy turn they actually prep their attacks so you see when it's your turn every attack that the enemy is going to make on their turn. 
Yeah. Then you have your turn. You do your moves. You do your attacks. And then on their turn, they start by doing the attacks and then going through and prepping their next attacks. So it's like the flip of what the player turn is. And that's what makes this whole thing a reactionary game. You know very specifically what attacks are coming. And it's your job to decide how to deal with that. Um, And it's just, it's a, it's a subtle flip, but I don't, I can't think of any other tactic style games that have this. I I don't know. Can you guys know? I can't. And that's a really good point too, because now that I think about it, you know, most other games can't do that because they're organizing Mm -hmm. themselves around at least the possibility of playing multiplayer. You know, like Advance Wars is the game I keep going back to for this because it's yeah, like a game that I... It's like the only strategy game you like? No, <laughs> no, but it's the one that I've played endlessly when I was a kid. And so it's, you know, I just deeply, it's in my bones. And, or I guess kid is the wrong, because I think I played that mostly in college. But anyway, uh, I was a kid. Anyway, that game baby. is designed around multiplayer play, even though I mostly played it single player but all of the limitations are about like putting you on a hundred percent even footing with the computer you don't have any Mm -hmm. information about the computer that you wouldn't have about an actual real world player there's you know you don't know where they're going to move who they're going to attack i think even like the final fantasy tactics like you mentioned shane like you know an npc approaches you it swings at you it hits or it misses the damage is randomized like in this game you have every piece of information that you need you know the attack order of every single beck you know that it tells you okay this guy's attacking first this one is second this one is third and you also know how much damage they're going to deal that is it's really unique in that respect it's really incredible there's very little randomness at all in the game i think the only things that i can think of that are truly like feel like an actual dice roll i'm sure that if you were to like pop open the code on the vex ai there's randomness in there but but um it doesn't feel random except for like i think the only thing i can really think of is like that about 30 percent chance that your buildings have of like with uh withstanding mm-hmm. damage and that mm-hmm. is like a true in the moment ooh, nail biter dice roll kind of thing um mm-hmm. but apart from that like you know exactly what's going to happen when your mech hits the vec or when the vec hits your building like you know exactly yeah what how much damage it's going to do if it's going to be thrown back how far if it's going to bump into something if it bumps into that thing you'll know how much damage it's going to do that and it we didn't really talk about this but like all of that is conveyed in the most incredibly good ui i've seen yes. in one of these games like this game is a absolute like masterpiece of good user interface design in a game. All of this stuff is presented cleanly. There's no like deep menu system. You can get almost all of it at a glance and the information that you don't need front and center and don't need at a glance, you can like hold down a key and mouse over something and get that info. Like it's it's all incredibly streamlined, great UI, and there's almost never any ambiguity about what's going to be happening when something, you know, does its thing. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and the like the only other thing that you don't know, and this is where the big like strategy I think comes from, is you do see on the map that new Vec are going to be emerging from certain spots. What yeah. you don't know is what type of mech, because there is a whole host of enemies that all have different abilities. Uh, you don't know what type of Vec is going to come out and what attack they're going to prep. Yeah. So that's your job as the player to deal with the mech that are on, or the Vec that are on the... I never realized the Vec and Vec uh, <laughs> until that yeah. Mech versus Vec. Um, uh, 
the dealing with the Vec that are already on the board, and then the small amount of planning that you're actually doing uh, from a strategy side is trying to preempt a maybe what kind of Vec may emerge and how do you set up your mech in a way that you can deal with those potential Vec. Totally. <laughs> Doesn't it feel just great when you know, you've got like maybe two turns left in the whole match and you're able to just completely shut the enemy down yes. because you're just standing on their heads and <laughs> yes. not letting there them is, crawl to the ground. There have been multiple games where the, and it's, it is so satisfying. The last two rounds, I don't make any actions because I yeah. just got my my uh, mech just sitting on the emerging spot. Just like, and deal stay with down. It. Yep, stay down. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I, I find the most satisfying part to is, is uh, and maybe this is, Please forgive me for this. Don't think less of me for this. But I, I really enjoy drowning them. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, I really enjoy pushing them or throwing them into the water or into acid. Ah, yes. And, uh, so I'll let them spawn and then just toss them. Um, or but, make them, because you do see the attack order, they can they can attack each other. Yeah. Uh, and oh, so if, you, if, yeah. if one's about to do, like... This is getting a little bit into the strategy that we're going to do after the spoiler break, but like it's also pretty obvious is that like you see the attack order. So you've got a, a Vec that does three damage. Uh, and if it goes first, if instead of killing it, you can push it into a way where its attack is going to hit another Vec, you can just leave it be, leave both of those Vec untouched because that one's going to kill the other one. And that's both of them taken care of for that turn, and you can deal with the other Vec that are maybe a more pressing issue. Uh, and then your little your pilot, whoever like orchestrated it, will say some quip about the Vec are so stupid they can't even tell the difference between you know a good guy and a bad guy, or or they're yeah. monsters who hunt each other. Like there's a ton of flavor in it. Yeah, there's a lot of little dialogue. It's cute. One of the things I loved uh, about the game, just sort of the overall design and the philosophy behind the game, is that. Uh, we've talked about how it feels kind of like a board game. Part of that to me is the way they've kept all of the simplicity in the stats and the numbers. Yeah. If I had been com- trying to come up with a game like this, everything would have had some kind of statistic like, you know, percentage based or, uh, you know, damage values in the like hundreds or thousands or something like that. This game is so stripped down that like literally the difference between one damage and two damage is like makes or breaks yeah. scenarios. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of the leveling up of mechs, like the biggest power update you can do to them is giving them one additional damage to their yeah. attack. Yeah. So good. And like HP, like when you get one more HP for your mech. Yeah. Like, you know, I had I had this who's that first uh mech pilot that you get that looks like Abe Lincoln. And he <laughs> um he, he got I guess, whatever his name is. And uh, when I leveled him up all the way the first time, he got a thing where he got, you know, plus two um, HP for whatever mech he was piloting. And that just totally changed the game for me. I was like, oh, plus two HP. Oh, that's no big deal. Okay, what, well, okay. I guess, the, I guess the pilots are all the same. No, they are not. So, yeah. yeah. yeah beautiful. Yeah. I mean, a lot of... A lot of mechs start with only two HP, so yeah, you know when you are giving them two more, you're doubling their survivability. And when you think about, there's only five turns, you know, like that can be now they can get hit twice, and that's two hits that they don't that you don't have to deal with, and uh, hits that you can tank and not have hit a building. 
you know that's exactly huge. Yeah. exactly yeah and you can repair damage but it's it's only ever one damage per turn that you can repair it's you never you know some abilities maybe change this but generally speaking if you want to repair damage in your mech it's one damage per turn it's kind of a it's just kind of a net neutral yeah it's hard to come it's hard to come back from damage yeah, I, I don't think I ever really engaged with the repair system. Now, I mean, I haven't played as deeply as you guys have, but like repairing, I did it a couple of times to like put out literal mechs that were literally on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but Leave if I fire. got to the point where I like my mech was really badly needing repair, like it, mm-hmm. I was probably already sunk. So I didn't really do <laughs> yeah. that very much. Fire is the big one. The only other time I can think of is if you, it is near the end of the, the game, like the end of that match. And you do just have someone who's just yeah. their job now uh, is to yeah. sit and, yeah. and block. Because yeah. every time they block a mech from spawning, they take one damage. Yeah. So if if that's now their job is just block that mech, you yeah. you repair them so they, you know. That's, but yeah, yeah, it does use yeah. their action. So it's almost never the right thing. Generally, you want to use their attack or, or whatever their special ability is, which... We don't need to go into because that is a whole thing, but we haven't talked about the immense number of weapons and uh, different utilities that there are. Just know that there and then, are. And then we haven't talked about the various different teams, which I'm sure you've seen yeah. way more of than I have. I yeah. haven't seen all of them yet, but maybe that's stuff that we should save for after the spoiler break. Um, normally, we would save any talk about talk about the ending of a game for after our spoiler break, because by definition, the end of a game is usually a spoiler. But uh, this is a bit of a different game in that structure. You know, this is uh, uh, being a roguelike. Uh, you may be able to see the ending of this game fairly early. Nate will probably brag about how how early he was able to see the end of the game. And, you know what? Uh, I wasn't going to, but if you're going to make me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's it's just sort of part of the gameplay, like talking about the 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 way the this game builds up to its conclusion or climax or whatever. So, do we have anything we want anything that we don't consider spoilers that we want to talk about about the end game, the kind of final battle, the volcano battle? Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily want to talk too much about the actual final battle. Um, what I think is it's cool and it's and it's fun when you get there but what it what stands out to me especially pre-spoiler break is a really interesting mechanic that this game introduced that i i again can't think of any other game really any other game anywhere close to the genre that allows you to do this um the game is set up with those four islands that you can choose from and you're working your way through uh once you've completed two islands you can then choose to go to the final battle and you can get a victory. You can beat the game after completing two islands, completing three islands, or completing four islands. Yeah. Uh, and they scale the difficulty of the of the um, final of the battle. final battle. Yeah. Based off of how many islands you've completed, so you actually get to choose uh, when you end the game, and it's sort of a value judgment. Um, you know, to me, in my experience, it's been like. I have struggled through these first two islands, but I got through them. My met, I'm at like a low grid. I just know I'm going to die on this third or fourth island. So I'm going to go for the f- victory now and just beat it. Um, or if I roll through the first two and I'm like super powered, I'm like, let's just keep this, you know, train going and go and, and beat all the, uh, beat all the islands. And I just think in like strategy games like this, I don't, I can't think of any other time when you kind of get to, make your own path to victory mm-hmm. it's mostly just like 
as you were kind of alluding to Reagan before, like, did you spend the multiple hours to set yourself up for like perfect success or did you just fail? I would uh, maybe say the only uh, game I can think of with a similar approach would be Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which so that's why I recently I, played and I, I beat <laughs> two of the Divine Beasts and I was like, yeah. fuck this, I'm killing Ganon and I just did. That's actually why I started saying I can't think of any other games and then I had to like adjust it to strategy like tactics games because yeah. I started thinking of Breath of the Wild as well. Mm-hmm. And I think there are other like big picture like there's other games that you you can do it in but I can't think of games in this sort of genre. Yeah. Um, and and I, I see now we're not going to do an FTL section, so here's my chance to compare something that I think they I think they learned from FTL. Is that FTL, if you actually beat that game, it could take several hours. A run from through all eight sections and the flagship could take several, several hours. And what I think would have been nice for the player is if you're like mid-game, and your ship is pretty good, but you just know you're not going to make it to the end, like letting the player decide to just go for it with their current version of their ship um, would have been really cool um, and scale the battle that way. So I think they learned from probably a lot of feedback of like, it felt pretty bad as an FTL player to spend like two or three hours, have this mega awesome ship and then die on some random encounter in section eight Mm. that like you had done everything you had, could to plan for it but just that game was way more intense and way more difficult than this game but like that would feel bad if you just lost there and it would have been really cool if you had the opportunity to test your current build against the flagship a, a version of the flagship earlier and just be like you know what that's the experience that i wanted i beat it with this it's not the high score uh, but i at least got to like i got to play with my ship and i got to like you know try totally. it totally um yeah. I think it's it's a really cool thing, um, and I think it works particularly well for this game. Um, I, I'd be interesting, I'd be interested to see how maybe other games um, can can build on something like that because I, mm-hmm. I I like the idea of it, um, and I think they do it really well. One final thought: try playing the game on easy first. That's my recommendation to to new players. Yeah, um, I There's no shame, no yeah, shame. Yeah, I played on. Uh, you know, I started on normal and uh, wiped in the first island. I mean, I was still learning the game. There was a lot of stuff I didn't know yet at that point, but it was like, it didn't feel good. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna poke around and try this on easy. And the easy mode is a really, it's a good easy mode. It's, it scales down the number of enemy spawns. And as far as I know, that's the main thing that it adjusts. I think mm-hmm. it may also adjust the number of civilians in the buildings, but apart from that, I don't think there's any actual change. It's just the number of enemy spawns. But that makes yeah. an enormous difference in terms of like how manageable these situations that the, the game throws at you are. And it lets you experience the game in a way that still totally feels legit. It feels like, you know, it's a, it, but it also like let me get to the final battle on my second try, um, which felt much better to me. Uh, and then when I went back to go start playing on normal, um, it was a lot more rewarding than when I had started. I, I, I really recommend starting on the easy mode of this game, even if you're not the sort of person who usually does that, or if you have some sort of like, you know, game my gamer pride won't let me do that. Give it a try. The easy mode will help ease you into this game much more than just throwing yourself against 
the first several battles and dying a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, and and you're that is correct about when it changes, um, and the score, like your final score, is civilians saved, um, and so that's the out. That's like the downside of easy, which might not matter to you at all. You know, so, it, something just, something else that I thought was really great about the easy mode, just as a side note, is that you know it doesn't. You can switch from normal to easy between runs, and it doesn't reset your stuff. It's not like you carry that much over between runs, but like you do carry yeah. pilots over. Just and, one. Yeah, excuse me, right, just one pilot. Um, but that doesn't change. You can just play on easy a little bit and then switch mm-hmm. to normal, and it doesn't, like, take anything away from you. Yeah, I saw some people who I was reading online who would play easy to level up their pilot and then switch it to normal or hard so they'd have a fully leveled pilot. I would just say you're you're thinking too hard. Yeah, uh, that's probably true. playing it. You know, just find a pilot you like and just keep playing around. Yeah. So final thoughts, this game is available currently only on Windows, but it's on all of the various different storefronts. So you can download it from Humble, you can download it. I think it's on, I don't remember if it's on itch.io. I always try to get things there if I can, but I think it wasn't there. It's on Steam, of course. It's available on Humble and GOG. And uh, if you buy it on Humble, you can get a Steam key as well. Yes, yeah. And it's uh, $19.99, is that right? Uh, 14 14 it is that yeah. indie game pricing a good, good indie price um as a quick side note uh for the mac players among us they have not put out a mac version yet but don't let that deter you this game runs perfectly fine if you're using wine look up a youtube video uh you know i used a wine bottler which is a really easy to use tool that you just sort of feed a uh you know feed a windows installer and it'll create a little mac app for you that's got wine all packaged up in it um, and it runs perfectly fine on my Mac, at least. Um, yeah, yeah, great. Uh, it's uh, I, for that. I would recommend downloading it on on GOG or uh, or Humble, so you can get the DRM free copy. Since I think that's a little easier to manage if you're doing the sort of wine packaging thing. Um, but it's an easy thing to install, even on a Mac, if that's where you play your games. And it ran just fine for me there. So. Uh, definitely recommend that. Um, they have said that they're coming out with it on other platforms eventually, meaning uh, Windows and Linux. Um, in the case of FTL... I do hope they get it out for iPad, because this would be the most awesome game ever on the so iPad. would. Wow. Uh, yeah, I couldn't idea. really get into FTL on iPad, but this... Like, this should have natively been iPad. This is the most iPad, oh, not yeah. iPad game I've ever played. This should played. come with every iPad. Yeah, Everything is tap, click That's this. That's a great point. And then click this. There is no, like, there, I, you can hotkey stuff, but everything is ultimately just click this, then click this. Yeah. Then click, it, it would be better on iPad Absolutely. Than, it would, <laughs> than it is on computer. Uh, and, you know, with uh, Don't Hold Your Breath too much, FTL, it took them two years to bring that game to iPad. When they did, it was an amazing port. It was really, really a great game on the iPad, but... Um, I, I would be very surprised if they don't bring this to iOS eventually. I also hope yep. they bring it to consoles. It'd be a harder thing to fit on consoles, but I think it'd be a great fit for the Switch. For many people uh, who don't own iPads, you know, they might need to rearrange some of the UI elements a little bit, but if you don't have an iPad, but do have a Switch, that might end up actually, for many people, end up being the best gaming tablet they have. And I think that you know, if you want a, a a touchscreen device to play a game on that's got a screen larger than your phone, the, the Switch might be a great platform for this game. Um, if they can figure out a way to make it work with controllers, all the better. 
Yeah, I just don't know how controllers will work for nah. this game. I re I have nightmares of playing StarCraft 64 that like <laughs> come back anytime someone tries to convert a game that you know. I guess, switch with the touchscreen would be great, just like the iPad. But I don't know how you do it with the Joy-Con. Well, they do. Like they do allow touchscreen-only games on the Switch. Um, Severed okay. came out for the Switch. True. Um, there's a True. rhythm game. I forget the name of it. That's uh, touchscreen-only. No, they do allow games on the Switch Store that are touchscreen exclusive and have no way to play them on a TV, uh, which is, I think, was a, a good and almost surprising yeah. uh, choice for Nintendo. So um, you know, maybe they'll go that route. So um, yeah, we are rolling to our. Our, to our spoiler break. So uh, I've, uh, I've been Reagan Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Reagan K. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find our contact form. We want to hear from you. Suggest a short game. Let us know what you're playing. Let us know what you think about the games that we've played. Let us know your hot strategy tips for FTL. Um, you can also find our show on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on the internet. Uh, also Twitter at 8BitShane Sandy where can people find you and all of the things that you do uh, you can find me at uh, Instagram uh, at Sanford and Pun Sanford and Pun uh, <laughs> uh, or on Twitter at me David Friend um, I don't really use Twitter I have two followers and it's mostly just there I just retweet everything my friend David says <laughs> and um, it's mostly okay. just a troll farm but um uh, and then also through Coral Sword, it's uh, on all the social media platforms at Coral Sword, E-O-R-A-L-S-W-R-D. Which is on beautiful Telephone Road. 1318 Telephone Road, suite number three, Houston, Texas, 77023. For all your hate mail. Did you guys have to buy at Coral Sword or was that just available? That was available, yeah. What? What? Yeah. That's yeah, I didn't surprising. have to threaten anybody or anything. Yeah, wild. Okay. We had to we had to use underscore short game. Uh, <laughs> Nate, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. But I I I'm gonna take this time to do my favorite thing on every episode, other than talk about FTL, which is shout out. We got some iTunes reviews, and uh, we cannot express how much this means to us uh, when someone takes the time to. Uh, go on, re rate and review our show. And then what some people have been doing is actually writing like really wonderful things about our show. And we share it amongst, I show them to like my friends. I just, it's, it's, it <laughs> we really are means a lot to us. We are insufferable about it. It's yeah, we are insufferable. Worst. Please keep doing it. It just, it means <laughs> a lot to us. It really does. Uh, as well as it does help the show. So uh, I got to give a shout out to Scotty Pollen. Uh, he wrote, among a lot of nice things, one of the best gaming podcasts. Well, I just got to say, Scotty, you are one of the best gaming podcast listeners. Thank you. Thank you, For Scotty. reviewing us, as well as Starling, Starling with three Gs, wrote a bunch of really great things. Uh, subject, good content. Well, Starling, your review was some great content. So thank you for your time. <laughs> for your love we truly appreciate it and if you want to hear your itunes name <laughs> your, <laughs> my my <laughs> brand my itunes review name yeah on our show but also just know that you are appreciated and loved by us leave us a review and uh we really appreciate it thank, thank you. you nate and here it is ladies and gentlemen your spoiler break Let's talk some strategy. Who's your favorite pilot? Ooh, good first question. 
lately I've been rolling with uh, Arkham. Now, so the, I do think certain pilots are good for certain strategies sure. and, or for certain teams. So I've been playing with the Rusting Hulks mm -hmm. uh, for the past round, and I've been rolling with Archimedes a lot, who mm -hmm. has the ability of move again after shooting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the reason I like him so much is uh, if I had... I, I have a lot of strategy tips for this game, but one of them is it, it works for being an EMT, as you were saying earlier. A, a pound of or an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That old saying. Mm -hmm. um, what I would do with Archimedes, since you can move after shooting, uh, the science vessel on the Rusting Hulks gets a shield after using its push attack. So I would push something to get a shield and then move him after attacking over to block a Vec. Yeah. And so he was accomplishing two things, usually killing one or at least putting it into a good position and then blocking the next one. And it worked really well for me. Yeah. Who's your favorite pilot or who have you been rolling with? Uh, lately I've been, I forget their name, but it's a person who is, they give your mech uh, armored. Um, oh. So they absorb nice. one damage per turn. And yeah. And you usually start with one mech, like the brute class mech is usually has one armor. Uh, mm -hmm. But having a second one and just being able to absorb absorb all that damage, having two mechs that can have just absorb one damage every time they get hit, uh, I've been I've been really loving that. That uh, is the worst of the scions. The um, every oh, yeah. island has a scion which doesn't attack, but it just buffs. Yeah, it's it, it's allies. And they, none of them so are annoying. good. Yeah, none of them are good, but there are ones that are particularly uh, awful. And I think it's I think it's called Shell Scion. The green is, one. It, yeah, that's the worst one in my yeah. opinion. Because it, it just cuts all your damage in half or makes it where you don't do any damage. Yeah. Um, and then the one that makes them explode when they die can be really hard to deal with too. Yeah. That's, that's like the number one cause of me messing things up and having to reset turns is forgetting some things explode when you kill them. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I just kill oh, this gosh. guy. And then it it hits, you know, like three yeah. buildings that it was next to. So guys, <laughs> of all the different kinds of missions, one of the things I loved about this was every mission has some unique twist, whether it's like a tidal wave or a blizzard or the or dam you can knock down or, or the yeah. collapsing yeah, squares. So what of all of those different kinds of missions or locations was your favorite? Acid. The Acid Island. Mm. Yeah. Acid is great because it just kind of makes your job easier half the time. Mm -hmm. uh, if things get covered in acid, which they just have to touch it, or sometimes you'll get a little tank that shoots acid, which is great. I love that guy. Uh, it does double damage, so it yeah. just made it easier. Now it works both ways. Your guys get acid. But that was usually, you know, more manageable. Well, the trick is don't um, get acid on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and there's a weird thing in this game, and I, I know it's an AI choice, but the the Vec have no care for themselves as far as like uh, that, like environmental damage. They are constantly running into mines, stepping on acid, all the things that are like there to prevent them. Um, so it's not too hard to just like. That they run into acid all the time. Um, yeah, that was but, something I, I I noticed just a lot with the fire even early on. Yeah, is that uh, and in addition to that, all of the um, environmental damage tends to to happen before any of the enemies move. Yeah, and they'll and just so, stand right on it. And and if I had one like, and if they wanted to make this game, hell. if they wanted to make this game more difficult, 
an easy thing to do would be to make the Vec actually care about like their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they are constantly, it'll be like, Napal- like a firebomb is going to land here and we all know it. And they're like, I'll go stand right there. You know, and you just, it means you don't have to deal with them because like you said, Shane, it's, that's normally the first thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love defending the train is another one. That oh just, yeah. Like, that's, a, that's a cool like, one. Why do I love that? It's cute. Um, you mentioned... Uh, you know, we didn't talk about the, the artwork really at all, but like, the art, that's a, that's, that just reminds me of like how much I love the sprite art in this game. Like, perfect. the yeah, sprites the are... Cool. like I, I think it's like vaguely SNES-ish to me because it has that sort of like... I've always sort of felt like the kind of classical style or the classic style of like SNES sprite art has this sort of feel of like a little mini dioramas, right? Everything is these... Like you get this sense of, of things being actually kind of at a small scale rather than being these like grand things, but they have these little details that are really cool. And this has that same kind of feel to me. Although this is a game about these gigantic hulking mechs, it also feels just partly because of the presentation, the sort of isometric perspective and the, the way that the like the square of the of the like grid or map or whatever is kind of arranged it feels like this tiny little diorama or game board mm-hmm. and it the the little sprites are so like they're they're like small number of pixels they're really simple but they're really clear and readable but also kind of weirdly cute like i i love the look yeah. of the mechs and if there the is mech. a listener out there who can recommend a board game that's similar to this i would love to hear about it yeah and, and they're always like, they're all just moving a little bit. It's mm. kind of like that old, um, really old cartoon uh, animation where anything that is like actionable had to be like, mm. would always be kind of like moving a little bit, right? Did it bother you guys that the art didn't have any face? We're, we're, why did we put art after the spoiler break? <laughs> but it, it, does it bother you guys at all that none of the, um, none of the sprites have uh, facing, like different different directions that they face? Uh, it's kind of weird to me. No, I no, I, I see what you're saying, but I it still conveyed it, that really, really well. Basically, with their their attack telegraphing, like the the yeah, sort of yeah. iconography of of like okay, which so it, the the facing really only matters in as much as when they hit, what are they hitting, and that's very clear anyway. So I didn't ever yeah. find that was a problem. Sure, um, it's a, a handful of them do right. The I think the ant guys that that they they shoot the long continuous dotted they rotate mm-hmm. a little bit right yeah some of them do it just depends on what oh. type they are the, really the, the beetle guys too i think yeah mm, okay but but not everybody does though you're right yeah and it i mean it doesn't mostly matter but yeah it's a good point it i mean probably save them having to draw some extra sprites and also i think mm-hmm. that probably helps with readability because if a sprite is facing away from you like do i really know what the ass looks like on the different vec true would you like yeah. to know? I'm sure there's somewhere on the internet you can find that out. <laughs> Listeners, write in with your uh, Vec ass of uh, There's a Reddit thread somewhere for that. <laughs> if, uh, so, Get that in from the fan art. Um, another To pull it back to strategy, another thing that I thought a lot about when I was getting into this game and trying to figure out how it works is that... So it gets compared to chess a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone says chess all the time. And I really don't... I, I really think the only reason people say that is because it's on a grid uh, but also there's one thing that I do think is applicable is that in chess the most powerful thing is movement mm. that's why the queen is the most powerful thing yeah. on in chess 
Uh, and there's a lot of different options for making your, your mechs powerful. I would highly recommend that you consider movement one of the most powerful things. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, like, in chess, it's super important to upgrade your pilots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, when you get the queen to do plus two damage every time she, uh, mm-hmm. you know. But, but, but really, like, being able to, uh, it works both ways. Upgrading the movement of your mech as well as dealing with Vec that affect your movement first. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just highly recommend, because that is when you get in the most trouble, is when there's a lot going on and you just can't deal with it. Yeah, that's a really good point. All the times where I would lose early on were when my mechs got, like, webbed. And, yeah. like, Super some great plan that I had was ruined oh. by something getting webbed. And a lot of things web. I mean, I think the developers know that. That's why they have a lot of things that impede your movement. Yeah. Um, so I just, we, there's a lot of times where you have like one reactor core and you're not sure what to do with it. Movement is always a good choice. Uh, I, it, it gives you just, it expands your options considerably. Um, yeah. And if, if there's a spider thing on the board, try to kill that first because those things are so <laughs> annoying. Especially the alpha spider, like it is the worst. They're the worst. They can they can web multiple of your people if they're next to each other. So, I think similarly to that, I have found putting the artillery mech um, in the in the place where they have the most freedom of movement. So, I usually put them in the back row. Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever there's an artillery mech, I put them in the back row. If assuming they have the ability to move along this sort of like a long axis mm, and try yeah. to find a way for them to, if they can move three spaces, three or four spaces to the left or three or four spaces to the right, they can pretty much at that point hit any square they need to. Um, and I, I don't move them off of that axis, axis usually. It's just, I just keep them moving left or right, left or right, left or right. Um, mm. But sometimes you need to be able to move five spaces instead of three or four, and it's maddening when you can't. So it's centralizing... Keeping your, your characters as your mechs as central as possible, so they need to move left or right or front or back. They they, they can, but it sucks when when you commit somebody to go off into a corner and kill something, and then they can't get back to the next turn. Mm-hmm. So how about the different teams? Tell me what you guys have been using, or or like what's your? We talked about the different pilots, and I think you mentioned using the um, the rusting hulks, but like. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the different teams and like what which ones do you think people should check out or try to try to unlock? So the way I've been playing it, I actually have not played all the all the teams yet. I've unlocked most of them, um, but I have not played all of them. So I would that I would love to hear Sandy mm-hmm. you've played mm-hmm. all of them. I believe no, no, no. Uh, maybe yes, no. I haven't played all of them. I played five or six. That's the okay. other achievement I'm still waiting on. It's the one the. The, the the win with all ten with all ten or, and then yeah. the, I, I didn't even uh, realize there were ten I thought there were only six maybe I'm no, miscounting or something wild uh, okay that's more than I thought cool um, the steel judoka are my favorite um, the what the steel judoka they're uh, Shane you and I talked about this a little bit but they're yeah they throw and they push and they pull they don't do much damage at all um, their artillery mech is the best in the game it does no damage to what is it it's no damage it's like the inverse of the core artillery one you start with he damages the central square and pushes the four adjacent ones mm-hmm. but this one does no damage to that central square but damages the four adjacent squares he just you know four can hit four squares at once wild which That's is really great. cool but then one of their the brute mech um throws an adjacent uh tile 
Um, That's key. Picks it up and throws it to the other side of him. So it makes throwing things into the water super easy. Or you can, it makes it super easy to pick up Vec and put them onto a spawning point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the science class mech um, just does a thing where it just pulls them. It just pulls them. And then I think you can upgrade it to do various things. But um, it also has a passive... That's right. It, it, it has a passive plus one bonus to all Vec damage to each other. Hmm. So that class is that that mech group is all about positioning and it's all about moving the Vec around so they hit each other. And that really is what broke the game open for me was when the game became not about damage, but about positioning and movement. And that's when I was like, oh, this game is actually genius. Yeah. Making the Vec hit each other was a eye-opening experience for me because I once you realize like I don't have the power to defeat this enemy unless I turn them back on themselves that's just Mm -hmm. such a cool design yeah I love it even with the original set of mechs I have not unlocked that many mechs in in fact I have not I've yet I've only unlocked like three sets of mechs because I suck at the game (laughs) and uh none of them are mechs that I like as as well as the initial set so it's a good, I think there's a reason why they're the first, it, it's a very balanced group. You get mm-hmm. to do some damage, there's some pushing. Yeah. It introduces you to the game really well. And then the uh, the mech groups, the squads that come after that are usually like, you're going to have to learn their strengths and use them appropriately. Yeah. Like I've not played that one, uh, Sandy, but you know, clearly they're, that's all about positioning and movement. Yeah. Um, the thing I like really about the, the, uh, resting Hulk, the one I was talking about before is they're very much about prevention. Everything is like, uh, smoke is a big thing for them too. And if you put smoke onto a, uh, there's a lot of ways you can create smoke, but it prevents attacking. So mm-hmm. a lot of what resting hulks is doing is pushing them around or putting them on smoke or preventing Vec from spawning. So you're... I could not master the smoke. It got so frustrating. Yeah, the smoke me. was pretty well, was confusing just... for me. But I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I'm sure I would get it eventually, but it's like, that That was like... Would you though? Well, I don't know if I am sure actually. Would you, what about up, upgrades? Like what about particular weapons that you... Like the, the, one that, the one that stood out for me was that when I was first getting started with the, uh, the first team, um, there's an upgrade that, that I came across pretty early on, like my second game, that was like the artillery uh, blast that it does, it made buildings immune from yeah. that. Yeah. And that that's was like, like, that's so good. Like that yeah. was yeah. so great because then, you know, a VEC is about to hit a building and you literally just shoot the building and it blasts the VEC away from the building. And yeah. that was like, yeah. wow, that's like, that seems like a weird uh, kind of minor tweak on the way the, the weapon works, but it, it broke that game open for me a little bit at that point. Uh, did any of you guys have other guns or weapons or whatever, or upgrades that you hit on that were particularly cool? Well, you do, you do point out something that I think is really clever about this game. If you're not quite sure how a team is supposed to work, look at their, the, the preset mech upgrades, because that will give you an idea of like, Oh, what does this mech do when it's fully, like what, what do, what do its yeah. upgrades do? Cause that'll tell you what it's kind of intent is. So like the, the science mech that on rusting hulks that I, I was talking about, and I keep talking about them cause I just got done like playing a ton with them. But uh, the science mech, if one upgrade is it shields itself when it does its push and then 
uh, its next upgrade is it shields allies if it pushes them. So cool. you can see like they are like when you think like, okay, this mech can push things and it can shield things. That's it. So now I know that it's like ultimate form is to be running, like moving around the board, protecting its allies and getting enemies out of, uh, you know, pushing out enemies or pushing allies into or out of danger. Yeah. Right. Um, and you can do that same with like that artillery one. You can see with that upgrade. Now, you know, like one of its key things is that it can actually fire on its own building to protect that building yeah. by pushing the things yeah. around it. Um, and it is really clever. So when you're starting a new squad, look at their upgrades because that'll tell you kind of how they're supposed to play. Yeah. Um, and then you can modify it with weapons that you find in the game. Um, and yeah. There's a ton. The the yeah the the other weapons that you get in the game um, can s- sometimes be a, a huge asset and can sometimes be a huge disappointment. Um, the I think the Zenith Guard. Um, they start with a laser mech that has the the burst beam, which mm-hmm. it fires the piercing beam that decreases in damage the further it goes. So it deals three damage to the tile adjacent to it, two damage to the one behind that, one damage to every tile beyond behind that. Um, and so if you can get all the vec in a row, you can kill three four vec with one with one attack, mm-hmm. and it's unlimited. You can use it as many times as you want per turn. And then the the charge mech, the little tank version, it starts with two HP. But its attack is it can charge any across any number of tiles, uh, deals two damage to the target that it hits and pushes it. Um, but it deals one damage to itself. And so if you put this, this is the group that I'm currently playing with. And if you put that armored pilot on, the pilot starts with armor, you put him in that mech. Oh. And so he doesn't oh. take that self damage. Anytime you have a, a mech that takes self damage, if you can put that pilot in there, they don't That's take genius. the self damage. Mm. Brilliant. And so you're just running around dealing two damage and pushing, and you can clear across the the Zenith Guard is a really cool class, but that, that mech is useless, is I think kind of largely useless without that pilot. Because it ha- it only has two HP to start with, but and and takes one damage every time it attacks. And so you might be looking at that thinking, This is garbage, why would I want to use this? Um but you know, looking at how some of the pilots interact with some of the mechs can be really beneficial, like additional moves. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, the Steel Judoka, I think one of their, one of the um, mechs can move, or somebody can, I forget, maybe it's, maybe I, I have to confirm this, but it's... Um, There's thought. a pilot who can move one space after attacking. That seems so crappy compared to Archimedes. To the other one, that's I have them both, and I'm like, one can move infinitely, at, or it's full move after attacking, and one can move one space after attacking. I don't yeah. know what the what the difference is. I guess because Archimedes um, takes uh, requires reactor cores to power because the androids oh, require reactor cores require to power. Oh, he does require power for it. But um, but I, I would say if um, this the Steel Judoka for me were really, I thought when I first started playing the game, I thought what is the point of this? This is so silly. Um, but, uh, but I started playing with him and I thought, oh, actually, this is a completely different way of playing the game. It's not about damage at all. It's about positions and setting the vec up to hit each other. And also it's all about pushing them into the water and the acid. And, and that really, for me, was when uh, I, my friend Nick, who I, I should have shouted out earlier, was the one who put me onto this game, who was also the person that turned me onto FTL when it first came out. Um, he, uh, um, 
got me into the game, and I thought, oh, this is cool, this is interesting. But then once I started playing with the Steel Judoka, that was when it really clicked for me. Like this is this is masterful. This game is a masterpiece, and I haven't had a life since. That's why I really think this is a such a fun game for streaming or or for checking yeah. out videos online because when you have these strategies, you're it's like you're playing a whole different game. And if you see someone who's you know really good and who's really mastered the game in a you might you might be amazing at the game, but you might then find someone else who's mastered the game in a totally different way mm-hmm. from you, and and is has come up with some combination of pilot and and mech or uh, some upgrade strategy or just some different approach that you you would never have thought of. It's really great. Speaking of that, yeah. there's something that I've been seeing a little bit. I saw first on Twitter, and then I I've seen some folks doing this on Reddit. Is that um, it's become become kind of a thing to post a screenshot of a particular scenario in the game um, as essentially a puzzle and say like, I, uh, you know, I, I, I beat, I killed all of the Vec on my next turn. How did I do it? Yeah. Or, it's like, it's like a chess, And that's a, that's, that is another comparison mm-hmm. to chess. Cause there would be those things like in newspapers and, and old magazines where they would be like, here's a chess situation, make it checkmate. Like I, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. I've been the, the developers apparently too. added a feature in in an early update for the game. I haven't poked around. I think it's in the uh, the yeah. settings somewhere where you can turn on like um like labels right. on the grid so that it'll say like yeah. you know okay this is A three or you know G five or whatever. And that they did that specifically to enable people to do that. So you could turn that feature on before you take your little screenshot of your mm-hmm. cool. Scenario. No, it's great for streaming and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So you can. You can go to the chat on Twitch and 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 they'll be telling you, you know, um, move the move the gunner to A six, and uh, you know maybe you listen to them and, and die right away. <laughs> uh, I, I have one last piece of advice for you guys, and and this is just an approach. This is how I handle every like every single turn, and it it can be kind of convoluted, but it helps me a lot is you basically have to stack rank every single uh, Vex attack and prioritize them. And yeah. I know this seems mm. pretty obvious, um, but this is the way I've done it, and it's really worked out for me. Is So you look at every attack that's about to happen, and the, the highest priority is always grid damage. If it's going to do grid damage, that's priority number one. Number two is if it's going to do pilot killing damage. Yeah. That is priority number two. Um, and sometimes that'll flip just depending. I, I'd rather take grid damage than a pilot dying, but it, it will depend on the situation. Uh, and then it's objective ruining <laughs> is the next one. If it's going to blow up my objective, I will do that. And then it's just mech damage. Yeah. So yeah, don't be afraid out. of mech damage. Don't be afraid yeah, of it. Exactly. That's the yeah, lowest these priority. Games last five turns, you know, they can tough it out to the end of the thing and they get reset yeah. for the next one. And, and yeah, if and the your worst pilot's case already dead. Yeah. You get an AI pilot, and that means even less if your mech dies, other than that, you won't have that mech for the rest of that round. Yeah. It's just that battle, even like you'll you'll get the mech exactly. back for the rest of the island. You just lose that pilot. So if they've leveled up once or twice, that sucks. But if they haven't leveled up yet, let them die. It's yeah, it's not but, that big of a deal. So grid damage, above all, uh, yeah. there are going to be times. Maybe if you're full grid, grid damage, and, or grid power, and you want the objective, um, 
you know, you can, you can make that decision in the moment, but if you're there trying to decide, I will always take grid damage or grid damage is the last thing. Cause that is at the end of the day, that is how you lose this game. So if you're making sacrifices for grid damage, then you're going to trickle down and you're going to end up, you know, through attrition, you're going to die. So everything you can do to prevent it is, is your first, your first goal. Yeah. Well, all yeah, of that is you guys like, are making some really, really deep sense here. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I can't wait to like go play this game some more, having heard you guys talk about it, because like I need to unlock the other teams, particularly the Steel Judo Judoku Judoka Judoka but, that yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, I I cannot wait to try that team out. So I'm I'm gonna try to haul ass towards uh, unlocking those guys. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll play more on easy in order to, to unlock some more stuff, but that's honestly, that's what I do. So I, I play like 90% of my matches on easy just to breeze through them, just to kind of get the achievements and get the, um, Nate's shaking his head. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> and I really don't care. It just was an easy joke to just sit here and <laughs> yeah. sit here and judge you. Um, but it's funny because actually a lot of the time that I'm playing the game, I'll be thinking, oh my God, why am I still playing this game? And then when I'm not playing the game, I think, why am I not playing that game right now? <laughs> it's nice to kind of, yeah, it's because it's so short, you can just kind of bounce in and out of it and you can play yeah. it for 10 minutes and then turn it off and then play it for 10 minutes. Off. But there's actually one more thing I wanted to mention if you before you oh, guys do that. Sure, sure. Something that did kind of disappoint me about the game was that I was kind of hoping for a final boss battle. I kind of wanted some kind of big queen to have to fight. Yeah, and that was a little unsatisfying to me. You know, since we're in the spoiler break, I thought I'd mention this, but um, I kind of wanted some big boss battle. And then when it was over, I thought, "Oh, it's over." And then I thought, "Oh, I have to play again." And then I was like, "Oh, I play this again and again and again." And that, and I realized <laughs> that 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 gets the really satisfying part of the game. Yeah, but I was kind of looking for a big boss battle, and so. People I was kind of expecting that too, particularly when the volcano, like that first stage of it collapses and you fall into the hole or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. here she comes, the Queen Vec. And yeah, no, it, yeah, I felt the same thing, especially, um, you know, to compare it to FTL. <laughs> the hardest thing about FTL is the flagship. Like, yeah, when you actually get there, it is a whole mess that you needed to have prepared for, like from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and like, even no matter how good you are, like dying to the flagship is, is a real possibility, uh, and, and a constant. Uh, so I, I never expect- beat that goddamn flagship. <laughs> oh. Well, they, oh, you man. just haven't gotten to the true ending yet, which is you fall into the volcano and in flies the flagship. <laughs> That's it. That would have been funny. Um, and, and yeah, like they had, I, I felt that I actually, I did feel the same way they had, proven that they could build a final encounter that was uniquely difficult. The flagship in FTL was unlike anything that had ha- that existed in um, the, the rest of the game, except for you could find the uh, a flagship under construction, um, which was a funny fight. Um, but I, I, I think you're right in that. I, I think they wanted to stray away from that. It yeah. was, it's, it's more like you get to the end, you complete it, it's it's more difficult, but not that much more difficult. It's just like another thing with objectives. Get through it and you do it again. Well, it's something yeah. to look forward to in 2021 for uh, for Into the Breach Advanced Edition. Right. Yes, I, I exactly. bet they do. I think it'd be super I, mm-hmm. like they did just subset. Man, 
they I, I they I, they have such a good understanding of what their games are trying to accomplish. The uh, advanced edition was so awesome, and it was free. Like they, yeah, that doesn't. I don't like. I would have paid for it too, but like the fact that it was free, several like a year and a half after the or like a year after the first game, just showed the like care for it. Also, That's awesome. Um, I don't know. I think it was if you bought um, the uh, Into the Breach through GOG, one of the one of the platforms they were including with it the full FTL game. Mm, um, nice. I, yeah. I forget which one, but it was it was all from subset. They were if you bought it, you got their other game too. And again, I'd pay double for all this stuff. Uh, but I just I think that they really care about um their their fans and they're trying to create a specific experience yeah. um that is incredibly well thought out. Yeah, and I think they understand streaming a bit too. Like, I mean, I'm not an expert. I'm actually not a big stream watcher. I'll tune into certain certain channels from time to time, but like they understand, I think, the you know, the the way well they they've they've picked up on something that makes this a pretty uniquely streamable game, or at least FTL definitely was. Um can you tell me anything about the experience of streaming this game? Um yeah, it was actually it was really interesting because a lot of people tuned in and said, "Oh, I've never played this. I've heard about it." Um, and other people tuned in and were very helpful and would say things like, "Oh, this is the upgrade that you need to make. This is like first second that you get a reactor core building's immune." You know, um, make you know make sure that this is the first upgrade you make or um and that was really that was really neat. Um and not all games are conducive to having people help you. And this was one that you like, it benefits you to pause and think and kind of like talk through your turn. Yeah. And so streaming that was really helpful because then people who had played the game who were farther along than I was, were able to say, you know, um, I was, I think in the beginning I was too quick to use the reset turn and then I would find myself really needing the reset turn. Mm. And then you're like, Oh crap, I already used that. And so, um, you know, that's kind of people advise me to, to, to not be so liberal with that. And, yeah. um, but, uh, I, I really enjoyed streaming it. It was, it was, and you can stop at any point. It's not the kind of game where, you know, when I was doing Indiana Jones and the fate of Atlantis last week, I realized about 45 minutes into it that it's an 18 hour game. <laughs> and, mm. and so I immediately regretted starting that because I was like, Oh, I've committed to this for the next couple of weeks. Um, but then but the thing about into the breach is that you can play it you can you could play through it and beat the volcano several times in a stream and people can kind of come in and out uh without missing much of the narrative either yeah. you don't need to know what the premise is the premise is pretty quick to jump into uh i i would say it is it is a kind of an ideal streaming game yeah um outside of the fact that like a lot of the streaming games are these sort of like first person shooter um you know the, the Overwatches and the um, mm-hmm. um, I can't. Why can't I think of the name of this game? Fortnite is the other big one right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. PUBG, yeah, PUBG. Yet, but yeah. PUBG, yeah, yeah. I, those games kind of they work for streaming because they kind of create these stories within the game. But like this is a little bit more of a cerebral kind of experience. Yeah. Yes, there's a sort of a there's a sort of a a through line of of you know playing through a match and seeing that quote-unquote story to completion um, yeah. but it's I don't know 
This is the kind of thing that I would definitely, like I've already watched a lot of YouTube videos on this uh, when I was trying to learn the game. It's the kind of thing where just watching other people play is really valuable. And you can then immediately go apply those experiences to your own play because it's not like you saw them do something in one particular level of a 25 hour game. Almost everything that you see someone else do strategically in this game applies to your game almost immediately. Um, that's that's another really great thing about this in terms of streaming. It's a great, great uh, streaming game to watch. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Sandy, this was a blast. This was a blast. Yeah. yeah. And well, um, I, you know, I, I hope that our, our gaming uh, interests will overlap again and that we can have you on again. It was great having you. And I also cannot wait to, next time I come down to Houston, to check out Coral Sword. It's yeah. uh, Shane's constantly talking about it. Sounds like an amazing place. Um, a lot of fun. So, and also thanks to the listeners for sticking it, uh, sticking with us past the spoiler break. Um, we already did the admin before the spoiler break, so I'll just close it out with uh, thank you very much for listening and join us hopefully next week on another episode of this, the short game.